You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices, if you're just joining. This week, producer Kimberly Winston has been taking a closer look at how the pandemic has inspired new forms of music. Now, she's turning to a different question. How has all of this change influenced not only our behavior, but our appreciation for the sounds of faith? Religious music is not the only kind of sound the coronavirus pandemic is changing. The team at the American Religious Sounds Project, Professors Amy DeRogatis of Michigan State University and Isaac Weiner of The Ohio State University, were collecting recordings from religious events and activities for several years when COVID forced them to pivot. They put out an open call for recordings of people doing religious activities under lockdown and to date have received between 150 and 200 recordings from all over the country and all different faith backgrounds. And some common themes are emerging across the religious traditions, themes that may indicate the way we do religion will be affected by the pandemic. One of the themes that's surfacing in many of the recordings that we've received is the sound of religious practices in domestic spaces. Of course, a lot of people have always practiced religion in domestic spaces, but now we're hearing particular sounds that we might associate with worship spaces happening in homes. And we're also hearing the attendant ambient sounds that go on in a domestic space. So, in many of the recordings, we'll hear pets vocalizing, we'll hear kids talking or crying, uh, we'll hear side conversations where people might be whispering or talking about what's happening while they're watching a live stream. But it is really the sounds of religion happening in domestic spaces that make it not just sound different, but also bring a unique humanizing to the recordings that we're, we're listening to, and they're really just beautiful. So a nice example of this one is one recording we received during Ramadan in 2020 with an imam giving a sermon on a live stream and having a small child, a, a baby really, just vocalizing and, and he's trying to continue with it, but the baby is babbling and going on. And there, then there's the question of whether there should be muting or not muting, and at what point. When does the service or the sermon that's being given get disrupted by this adorable child uh, that's being, you know, held during it? We have a compassionate Lord who incentivizes our... Uh, who incentivizes the forgiveness of our sins by calling us to fast. Uh, and by giving us this medicine of fasting, just imagine abstinence, right? Abstinence is what forms an entire pillar of this religion. This religion has, is built on five pillars, one of which is abstinence, abstaining, not indulging ourselves. And it's such a wonderful example of not just the flexibility of people as they try to continue traditions in a new context, but also a humanizing of the people who are officiating and participating because their daily lives, like the responsibility of caring for a child, are audible on the recording while they are practicing religion. There is another recording that is the epitome of the domestification of religion, when Judaism meets the classic children's book, Goodnight Moon. This is one of my favorite recordings that we've received in the collection. It was actually a viral tweet 
that a user contributed to our collection from an Orthodox Jewish man. The heading on the tweet, it said something like, are you missing the sounds of Torah reading during this time? And when you click on the recording, what you hear is he's chanting the children's book, Good Night Moon, but to the tune of the traditional cantillation that Jews use to read the Torah. And there was a telephone in a red balloon and a picture of the cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on chairs and two little kittens and a pair of mittens and a little toy house and a young mouse and a comb and a brush and a bowl full of mush and a quiet old lady who was whispering hush. Good night, room. Good night, moon. Good night, cow. Jumping over the moon. Good night, light in the red balloon. Good night, bears. Good night, chairs. Good night, kittens and good night, mittens. Good night, clocks and good night, socks. Good night, little house and good night. Good night, mask. Good night, comb and good night, brush. Good night, nobody. Good night, mush. And good night, the old lady whispering hush. Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. So it's the melody, the sound of reading Torah, put to the words of Good Night Moon. Why I love this recording so much is it just captures perfectly during this moment the blending together of traditional religious ritual with the space and sounds of domestic life. The project has also collected sounds from a Wiccan coven in Columbus, Ohio, both before and during the pandemic. It was a group of maybe 15 or 16 people, and they're gathered together in a circle in the leader's living room, chanting together. This practice is called the Cone of Power, which is a common Wiccan practice used to raise energy for magical purposes through chanting. So the participants are all standing in a circle, linking hands, forming the base of an invisible cone, to the top of which energy is believed to flow. And the energy emerges from this really powerful overlapping and weaving of their voices. They're kind of weaving together these melodies and words to create this immense power generating from their circle. So when the COVID pandemic first started, our multimedia content producer, Lauren Pond, went back to this community and she asked them, what are you doing now? How are you recreating this ritual? And they gave her permission to join them and to record their effort as they tried to recreate this powerful ritual over Zoom. And as any of us know who've spent time on Zoom over the last year, communal singing, communal chanting, the kind of ways that this ritual relies on the interweaving of voices, that's very difficult to replicate. So just as a practice, um, seasons change, but the magic still remains. 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 Seasons change, but the magic still rem
Yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, we should just hit mute. Why don't we watch you guys? Yeah, we should mute. Seriously, I do want you to have the experience doing this there. I get this right. Many religious communities have had to figure out on the fly how to be creative and transformative in the moment. So in this case, the community decides they're all going to mute themselves except for the leader, which is a pretty powerful transformation of the ritual. Dero Goddess and Weiner also have a number of recordings of religion being practiced out of doors, where it is considered safer to meet, including this one of some Buddhists in Brooklyn chanting over the banging of pots and pans meant to thank first responders. What's really interesting about these examples, for those of us who think about sound specifically, is that because sound travels, sound is able to travel across and connect communities across space, even when they have to be physically separated for reasons of public health. Sound connects, and absolutely it also expands. One of the ways it does that is by spilling outside of traditional spaces, like churches or synagogues or mosques. And during this time, when so much practice has shifted inward, domestically, into the home, as we've discussed, sound has also allowed for really creative ways of spilling outward, into the public square, into the public sphere. Easter and the Jewish High Holy Days have also moved out of doors, and so have their joyful sounds. Right after the shutdown, we were heading into the Christian Lenten season, and then eventually, of course, Easter. And I think it just really compounded for so many people who practice Christianity what a huge loss that was. Easter is the most important holiday within the liturgical calendar, and it's the one time many people go to physical churches. And to not have that happen, to miss not just the religious doctrine of the holiday, but also the practice of being together, many churches and people got creative and started to think about ways in which they could come together and experience that community. One of the clips that we have comes from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's a group of people who, missing the community and the sounds of Easter service, came together on their porches and banged their pots and pans together while church bells rang in the background. It's a really wonderful example of being in community, but being in your own home at the same time, experiencing the joyful noises that you expect to hear on Easter Sunday morning. The other clip that we have, which is another kind of innovation, comes from Missouri. And it is a group of people who are attending a parking lot Easter service where they are all in their cars. And in order to have those joyful responses that you often hear on Easter Sunday, the hallelujahs and the amens, instead of yelling them out, they are sitting in their cars and honking their horns. Help us to realize that we can always run to the risen Savior. We pray for our service today. We pray for everything that we're going to do, that it would glorify you and that we can bond together through the Spirit and that your love can be poured out into our hearts as we leave this place. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
So these are both really nice, innovative responses to what is an incredibly difficult moment of feeling isolated and not being able to go into those spaces and hear the sounds that Christians associate with the most important holiday of the liturgical year. We also saw or heard some of this during the Jewish high holidays in fall 2020, when many Jewish communities could not gather together in the space of the synagogue for the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur services. So instead, many Jewish communities took the sounding of the shofar, the ram's horn, which is this incredibly powerful moment in the service that evokes the broader themes of the day related to repentance, atonement, and forgiveness. And many people have this very strong emotional connection to the sound of the shofar. So what many Jewish communities did is they took it outside of the synagogue. They separated the sounding of the shofar from the formal liturgy of the service and moved it outward to public parks, to street corners. And they invited people to gather together at a safe social distance to hear the blowing of the shofar that way instead. We're happy to be here together uh, with you today so we can safely mark Rosh Hashanah. And we ask everyone to please wear a mask and practice social distancing and disperse as soon as we finish. Over the centuries, rabbis have offered many reasons why we blow shofar on this day. One explanation is that the sound of the shofar should wake us up and make us reflect on who we are, what we are doing, and how we can do better. Other rabbis explain that the sound of the shofar resembles our crying and sobbing to signify our remorse and to sensitize us to the suffering of others. This past year has been difficult for many of us, so perhaps this year, shofar can also help us rouse God to consider our anguish and pain, as well as that of our neighbors and of all humanity. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech alam Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who has sanctified us with commandments and commanded us to hear the sound of shofar. Weiner and De Rogatis say the sounds they have collected offer clues to what practicing religion might look like when all our pandemic precautions are lifted and we can go back to normal. One of the things that we've noticed from the types of sounds that we've collected or the types of submissions that have come in is that there's a definite interest in recreating some continuity and traditions and in trying to keep hold of the things that people are used to doing and hearing when they're meeting in religious community. Uh, But that's balanced with a need to be creative. So sure, there are innovations and flexibility that have come out of this really difficult time that I think are going to stay with us. I think that there is a lot of experimentation that we're hearing in our recordings, and some of it will definitely be carried through to the future. One of the things we've noticed in many of the recordings we've received is that the person who's doing the recording is geographically very far from the thing they're recording. So they might be in California, attending a service in Maryland, or here in Ohio, recording a service that's actually happening in Texas. Many people are realizing that they are no longer tied geographically to a particular institution or community. 
I think people are taking advantage of this time to visit services at synagogues or mosques or churches that they normally would not be able to attend themselves. And now that so many institutions are making their services accessible via Zoom or live streaming, I think that's definitely going to continue. And De Rogatis thinks that that kind of religious tourism may lead to another significant change, greater inclusion for people who sometimes feel marginalized in traditional worship spaces. So the inclusion question is very profound. And uh, one of the submissions we have is from a parent who is in the Christian tradition, who uh, recorded her family celebrating communion online in their home with the whole family. And the sounds of that are the domestic sounds that you would expect. But the sound also includes her autistic son, who is vocalizing very loudly and is fully participating in the communion ritual. And what she wrote to us about the recording was that it was the first time that she felt her family could be fully themselves during this very particular and important Christian ritual. There was no hushing or quieting him or feeling like you're being disruptive or that you don't belong in your own religious community. And so I hope that religious leaders and community members will listen up and will pay attention to how important those types of opportunities are and that they will find new ways to be more inclusive and really take seriously who the community members are and what it means to feel authentically yourself in a religious community. That was Amy DeRogatis and Isaac Weiner, co-directors of the American Religious Sounds Project, a joint venture between The Ohio State University, where Weiner is an associate professor of comparative studies, and Michigan State University, where DeRogatis is a professor of religious studies. I am Kimberly Winston, reporting from Northern California. That's all for this week's show. If you missed any portion, head over to interfaithradio.org for this week's episode show notes, where you will find links to the musical selections featured and details on how you can submit your recordings to the American Religious Sounds Project. This week's episode was produced by Kimberly Winston and Kevin McCarthy. A special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler, and MC Yogi for our theme music. Wherever you are, I hope you are well, and I hope you stay connected, and I hope to see you next week. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Khan.